Welcome to another episode of Women's Football Success. This is episode 1803. Real quick, I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. And a disclaimer, I am an attorney. I'm licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas, but I'm not your attorney, and I don't give legal advice when it comes to women's football. Um, I practice in Arkansas. I don't give advice to other states or other people in other states. Um, I do provide business information and legal information that you can find on the internet as it pertains to women's football, but not to particular scenarios. I understand that part of a segment that I did on the last episode may have been cut off. So I wanna kind of go over that again real quick. And that is for player sponsorships. And the reason I'm going back to this is because I think it's a very, very important segment. And I wanna make sure that women football players understand the significance of how they approach sponsors and why it's important to do this. Um, a lot of players don't really want to go out and ask sponsors because they feel like they're like begging for money or asking for money. But you have to get into the mindset that most of the people around your community don't know what women's football is. For example, um, in the Dallas community, we've had women's football around for years, probably 30, 40, 30 years at least um, that I know of. And I go and talk to people today that are within 200 feet of the stadium that I'm playing at or within 200 feet of the practice field that I'm at and they don't know about women's football. And the reason they don't know about women's football is because women's football is a grassroots business. We're all going out and getting our own sponsors, our own advertisements, trading services, because we don't have these big sponsorship opportunities that other large sports have. So it's up to us as a team to go out and communicate with the community and get them to understand that we are here and that we um, need their funding and need their support to help women's football grow. So with that being said, it's really important for the players to get out in the community and let people know about women's football. If there's one or two owners, it's very difficult for one or two owners to get out there and meet 35,000, 45,000 people and let them know about women's football. So it is a lot on the players to get out there. There's a lot on the players' shoulders to get out there and share the information and let the community know that they are participants in women's football, that women's football exists. Um, I talk to people daily that do not realize that women's football is around. And everybody that I talk to, whether I'm in Dallas, whether I'm in Missouri, whether I'm in Oklahoma, I let people know about women's football because even if it's not going to directly impact my team in Dallas, um, it may impact the team in Tulsa or the team in Missouri or the team in Little Rock to get some more followers. Now, a lot of people say, oh no, I'm not gonna talk about it when I'm in other areas, but you're not understanding the concept that whether you like it or not, or whether you like the other teams in your league, you are working together to expand the knowledge that other people have about women's football. And most people don't have any knowledge of women's football. They've never heard about it. In the you know, 40, 50, 60 years that it's been around, people still don't know about it. And why is that? It's because 
we are unable to reach the masses. You know, Dallas has millions of people. Um, if, if Dallas has millions of people and you're only having 300 or 400 people come out, um, then you're not reaching the quantity of people that you need to be reaching. So it's really important to do this. So this component of it is player sponsorships. And the idea behind this is a lot of players don't want to pay to play. A lot of owners don't want players to pay to play. One of the ways to eliminate this obstacle or eliminate something that nobody wants to be doing is to go out and get the money somewhere else. Now the owner cannot pay for all these people to play football. It's just impossible. Um, even the owners that have um, large sources of funding, you know, they can help with the jerseys and this and that, but they cannot fund a women's football team on their own. They have to go out and get sponsors. And usually the team goes out and gets sponsors or the, the owner goes out and get corp, gets corporate sponsors and then the player gets player sponsors for themselves. So it's really important for players to understand this. And some of them say, oh, well, it's I'm too good for that or I don't want to do it or I, I don't like doing it. Some teams you're required to do it. Some teams you're required to go get a sponsorship. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, other teams, it's a helpful thing to have and they don't require it. Either way, it's really important for women's football players to understand um, how to get out there and communicate to other people that they are in women's football. So um, as a player, um, just going out and getting into the community and, and contacting other teams, you know, I go up to, I'm, I'm at a Buffalo Wild Wings. I say, hi, you know, my name's Lynn um, and I'm a women's football player. Um, have you ever heard of women's football? And they're usually like, no, I, I no, I've never heard of that. Uh, or they'll ask me, is it lingerie football or is it real football? And that gives me the in to talk more about women's football. And so I'll tell them, no, you know, it's not lingerie football. They all, you know, we all have uniforms on and full set of pads and a helmet. And there's about 70 plus women's football teams throughout the U.S. Um, we play in different leagues, but our league is blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, you should come out and, and watch a game sometime. Now, that's a basic um, scenario of when I talk to um, somebody that's at a restaurant or a venue or even, even the furniture store. I talk to everybody at the bank. Um, I talk to everybody about women's football. So, um that's going to be a basic in if you're just if you're not really asking for a sponsorship or you get the impression that they're not really into it you can still share the information though that's one more person that knows about women's football now let's go a little bit further and you're wanting you know you've kind of tested the waters or you go to this restaurant a lot or you go to the small business and you feel like you have a warm in is what i call it or a warm contact with them and that's very common within sales uh, lingo, I guess. But, you know, you might have gone there before and so they recognize your face. So you say, hi, my name's Lynn. Um, you know, I come in here a lot. Um, I really like the, the food here and the atmosphere. Um, I'm actually a, a female football player. And they usually say, oh, really? You play football? Uh, one of those scenarios that I just talked to you about. Oh, you know, I've never heard of it. Well, um, one of the things as a women's football player is that I um, actually have to pay to play and we're trying to get it to where women football players don't have to pay to play. 
But right now, um, we have to buy our own equipment, we have to pay for travel. Um, and I was wondering that, you know, because I come in here a lot, I really like the atmosphere, I really um, like your business. And I was thinking that maybe you might be interested in sponsoring me as a football player and getting some, you know, advertising with our teams and on our website in exchange for being able to sponsor me as a player. And sometimes they'll say, oh no, we can't do that. Oh, thank you. Say, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to stop back by and give you guys a game schedule. Um, so you haven't closed up that connection, but you can kind of knock them off your list that they're really not interested in sponsoring you right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that they will never sponsor you or that they won't buy a t-shirt from you or they won't buy a ticket from you and come out and check it out. So um, all these people um, could potentially still be sponsors, but you don't know it because you've never asked. So let's talk about some places where you've never been in there. You're just kind of going door to door um, through these different businesses. And this is something that I might say when I'm doing that. Um, I go in there and I'm, is it possible to speak to the manager or the owner? Um, no, they're not here. Okay, that's fine. Um, can I leave my name and number and um, maybe I'll come back in a couple of days. What, when's the best day to get in contact with the manager or the owner? And they will usually tell you, oh, the manager's usually here before noon on Fridays or whatever it is. Then you wanna go back and connect with that person then. So then you've seen that person, you've seen the first person twice, you've seen the manager once, and then you will say something like, hi, my name is Lynn. I play women's football. Have you ever heard of it? Um, it's full contact tackle football. We actually play over here, you know, a couple blocks away at this field. And I um, was interested in seeing if you guys do sponsorships for players uh, because I um, am responsible for paying for equipment and travel fees um, throughout the season. Is this something you guys might be interested in? And they'll either say yes or no. They say yes, then you either give them the packet that you have in your hand or you get an email address to send the packet to. Sometimes they'll say, oh, well, you need to talk to our corporate office. This is a big red flag. Usually um, we don't get much um, return on our investment or return on our time when we're having to talk to a corporate uh, level because they just get so many inquiries that they um, don't wanna deal with it. Um, some companies, however, you can deal with the corporate level and they might do donations to a nonprofit football team. Um, I know sometimes like Tyson or bread companies or even Walmart will do, they get a certain amount of donation monies that they can give away each quarter and so sometimes you'll say, hey, I need some hot dogs and hot dog buns for my concession stand. Will you guys sponsor us? And they'll give you a $50 gift card to go buy stuff from Walmart or go get stuff from Walmart. Um, sometimes this is allowed. Sometimes they, you know, they've used up all their funds, so they can't do that. So real quick, I just want to go through the scenario one more time. Um, you know, I have it memorized and you guys, you know, go into these sponsorship opportunities knowing your information. Now, if they ask a question that you don't know, then say, you know what? I really don't know that. I'll get back to you. Is that okay? Um, but you should know when you walk in there, like the levels of sponsorship that you're wanting to ask about or the level of sponsorship that your team um, allows you to have. And so 
I go in, hi, my name's Lynn. I'm a, a female football player. Um, I actually play for the whatevers. And um, one of the things that we have to do as a football player is we have to pay for our own travel to and from the games. Some of our games are in Atlanta and Austin and up to Oklahoma City. Um, I was wondering if your company ha um, ever does sponsorships or you could say um, might do a sponsorship or would be willing to sponsor me as a player. And you can even go in in your jersey or whatever. Now, if they say no, you know, we don't do that kind of thing. Say, I really appreciate your time. Um, is it okay if I come back with a game schedule or some tickets to the game or some kind of complimentary thing that is free to you, is free to the company, the the football team, but can let them know and, and give you another connection with them and let them know a little bit about the team. Um, if they say, yes, we do do that, we are interested in that, then they might ask some questions that you don't think you know. How many followers do you have on your Facebook page? How many people do you advertise to? And so you might have to come back with some answers to that. Those um, are answers that you should have if you are a frequent um, user of the Facebook page or social media, Instagram and Twitter. Um, but if you don't have that information, always tell them that you um, you think it's about this much. If you don't really, if you really don't know, then don't make yourself look like you don't know. Just say, you know, I didn't even think you were going to ask that question. Um, is it okay if I come back in a couple days with the answer to your question? And they will usually say yes. Um, say, and then you'll want to say, well, while I'm getting that answer, do you mind if I leave this sponsorship package with you so you can look over it? and I will get the answers to your questions. Um, usually they'll say, yeah, no problem, leave it with me. Um, they usually don't say, no, I wanna wait until you have the answer to my question before I look at it. Um, typically they'll they'll still take the sponsorship package. So you might wanna print off several copies of that um, and be able to connect with different um, organizations as you go from place to place. I hope this section has helped. And like I said, it was supposed to be on the episode 1802, but it seems to be cut off in the middle of it. So I wanted to kind of delve a little deeper into um, how this works. And then we'll get on to our episode 1803. I really appreciate you guys stopping in today. Um, if you haven't seen the, or you haven't listened to the other episodes, go back and listen. Um, we're really excited to be able to provide this to you. Women's football success has been in the making for quite some time. And we wanted to provide a place for people to go and listen or read the articles on the different topics. We've kind of separated it out between uh, type of listener or type of person that's interested in women's football, player, coach, support staff, and owner. So if you weren't able to listen last week, I talked about revenue from ticket sales that pertains more towards the owner and then coaching uh, coaching women's football with respect and flexibility. And then we talked about uh, player sponsorships. And from the support staff side, we talked about uh, social media and how it's important for your women's football team. Today, real quick, I'm gonna give you a rundown. I'm gonna talk about five great fundraisers for women's football. I'm gonna talk about practice schedules. I'm also gonna talk about football 101 for players. And I'm not going to give you a football 101. I'm going to talk about what it entails and why teams need to use it 
and then I'm going to share with you some of the things that we have coming up. And then for support staff, I'm going to talk about event planning um, because you'll soon realize that women's football has a lot of event planning, even if you you know didn't think it was going to when you signed up for this. So real quick, I want to talk about five great fundraisers that we have used in the past um, and other teams have used. Um, real quick, just so you know the background, so I'd say I've used them in the past and they've been successful. Um, I currently am co-owner of the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team for 2018. And in the past, my husband and I also owned the Lone Star, uh, Wild, or the Lone Star Mustangs, the Little Rock Wildcats, and the Tulsa Eagles. Um, and so we've had some experience in this. We've been successful in women's football, and we want to be able to share that with other football teams so that they can be successful too because um, it's a win-win situation. In order for my organization to be successful, your organizations need to be successful as well. So um, I'm willing to you know, give this information and share this information on different platforms so that we can uh, grow women's football and hopefully get more teams to be successful. So five great fundraisers that I use almost every year. Um, sometimes I switch them up because, you know, you, you want to do different things and, and players want to, you know, change it up a little bit. But um, number one is a raffle. Um, our team is actually doing one right now. It closes today. Um, but first, what you'll want to do is check your state laws to determine if you are able to, to do a raffle. Some states don't allow raffles. Some states, your organization has to be a certain structure. Uh, to be to do a, a a raffle, or you have to collaborate or connect with a nonprofit um, to be able to run a raffle. So for those women's football teams that are already a nonprofit, it's probably going to be no problem. But you want to check each state's laws to make sure you're um, running things smoothly and according to to the laws of your state. Um, if not you can collaborate with a nonprofit um, so that the proceeds kind of benefit the team and the organization. We're actually doing that with an organization here in, in Texas where we get some of the proceeds, they get some of the proceeds, and um, they're going to help uh, put some tools in their workshop for a veterans group. So we're really excited about that to be able to help the, the other organization fulfill some of their goals. So what you'll want to do is you'll want to determine your prizes in advance. You know, you'll have to do some sort of calculation of how many players you have times how much you're going to sell the raffle tickets for to determine how much revenue you're going to get from this raffle and then subtract out what all of your prizes are going to cost or if you're going to get people to donate prizes. So, for example, if you have 30 girls and you're going to sell each ticket for a dollar, then you're going to, you know, raise 300 bucks. If you sell them for $10, then you'll raise 3000 And then you would be able to take the, the raffle prizes out of that $3,000, leaving you with the proceeds. And then, of course, if you're going to um, spend some of that on the other organization that's helping you to coordinate this. So there's many different ideas, many different ways to do this. Um, you can do 10 prizes in a grand prize. Um, the way I've done it is we did uh, 28 days of May. So every day there's a different prize and it's on a calendar on our website. So people go to our website and check out if they've won today. Um, and then the grand prize is actually given out on the 28th of May, which is Memorial Day. So um, for veterans. So it kind of coordinates everything together. So we're really excited about that. The next 
great fundraiser that we've used in the past is discount cards. And these are typically, um, organizations are all over the place have these discount cards that say, have about 10 to 12 coupons from local restaurants and businesses. They give you like a buy one entree, get a McFlurry for free or something like that. Or, or buy one entree, get one for free. Something, some kind of discount that is beneficial um, and has a good value. Usually these cards can have a value of up to $200, $300. And you sell them for $10 and you get $5 of it. Um, there's various situations. Some of them sell them for $20 and you get 15 of it. So look around at some different organizations within your community and see what you can do. If you can't find one in your community, there's a bunch of them online as well that will send you the cards and then have you sell them and then remit the payment back to them with the remaining cards. So then you're not out any money at the beginning, which is really important for women's football because we don't have a lot of um, startup funds going around. So typically you will be required to buy a certain number or, but if you split that amongst your players, so say for example, you have to buy 300 cards and you have 30 girls, each girl's gonna get 10 cards and have to sell that for whatever the value is for it. It's pretty simple um, to get the cards sold as long as you're not doing 17, 18 other fundraisers. Typically, if you stick to three or four fundraisers, then um, people are okay with donating and giving money to the players um, to be able to do this. And it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot, but um, it can really make a difference on your uh, budget for the year. The third one that I really like, and it usually goes really well, is candy bar sales. Uh, local fundraising companies offer these candy bars for sale. Um, I forget the name of the company that has the candy bars, but it's usually a dollar for the candy bar, and then the organization gets 50 cents back. Depending on how many players you have, you could raise a lot of cash in a short amount of time. The other thing that's really cool about this is we're uh, as an organization or as an industry, women's football typically runs from April through July. And when the children, you know, at elementary school and middle school level are doing fundraisers, it's usually at the beginning of the year in August. And sometimes it's, it goes through September, October, sometimes into um, January, but not typically. So a lot of times by the time we're doing cookies or candy sales, these people have not had candy in a long, long time from school fundraisers. So they're like, oh, wow, you have those candies that I always get from from students. Um, so this can be a big fundraiser in April, May, June. Um, one of the things you need to watch out for, especially in those places where it's really, really hot, is um, melting candy bars. Um, if you give these candy bars out to players, they're going to have the responsibility that not to leave them in their cars to get melted. They're going to have to take them into work. They're going to have to take them into their house to stay in the cold. So you got to be really careful because you'll be responsible for all those boxes of melted chocolate if for some reason they do get melted. So fundraiser number four, I love a fundraiser party um, because typically there's people on the team that are going to go out and have fun anyway. So why not turn it into a fundraiser where they invite their friends and family and relatives and people in the community to come have fun with us? It's a win-win situation. It doesn't cost any out-of-pocket for the players and the staff, um, it, except for their drinks and their food or whatever they buy, but it's a great opportunity to get out into the community. So 
what I do is uh, we talk to a local restaurant or like a bar and grill is the best because you can still bring children in the early hours. And then those people that have children can leave, but they can still participate. Um, and typically we'll see if they'll allow us to host the party. And in some form or fashion, we'll either charge a cover for them to come in the door or we will get a percentage of the sales, whether it's liquor sales, food sales, etc. They'll donate that back to us in the form of a, a, a sponsorship of some sort. So if you can, you know, if you're going to go out with as a group, as a team and have a little get together, um, you know, you do that three or four times during the season and you can make a couple hundred dollars each time towards the team, towards the team travel. So, and then fundraiser number five is a silent auction. This is one that works really well because uh, you hold the silent auction and you can even hold it in conjunction with that fundraiser party number four that I talked about above. Um, and you have area businesses donate goods and then people bid on the prizes all night long until the end of the party. At the end of the party, um, you let the people know who won the, won the bid and have them pay at the end of the party. Or if somebody's already left and they've won, then they pay the next day. <clears throat> Now, again, these are just five great fundraisers that I wanted to slip in here. I have about 100 of them, but I figured that I would kind of give you five or six every couple weeks to kind of get your mind going and thinking about different ways um, to raise money. Because in women's football, that's one of the biggest problems is raising the funds to be able to pay for um, home games, home fields, um, referees, officials, time clock operators, um, sideline chain chain gang chain gang crews etc. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into this, um, and we'll I'm going to go through and do a whole business plan about it. But for now, I just wanted to get some fundraisers in your minds for this season because everybody's kind of up and running and going, and they're they're you know trying to think of how to raise funds in a short amount of time at this point. So I really appreciate you guys coming and listen to that. My next section, I'm just going to transition. I'm going to have a drink of my diet Pepsi. I love Diet Pepsi. Um, so I'm going to talk about coaching and the practice schedule. Now, here in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to actually have uh, some coaches come on and talk about specific coaching segments um, into the, the details of coaching. Uh, we're not going to talk about schemes or different playbooks on here. Um, you know, I feel like that's all confidential within each organization as to how they run things. But we will have some basics on here as far as, you know, coaching and, and uh, playbooks, and etc., but not the details within the playbooks. So practice schedule. So this starts, I mean, this practice schedule, thinking about that, starts way back at tryouts. Um, what we do and what we've done in the past is um, on those registration forms that people fill out for tryouts, we put down, we have them uh circle what days they're available and what times they're available. And we cannot always accommodate everybody, but we try to look at all those numbers and say, okay, there's eight girls that can say they're available on Monday, Wednesday, but there's 14 girls that say they're available Tuesday and Thursday. Um, so then we would try to gauge which days are better. Obviously, you know, if your coach is a volunteer and you're not paying them, then there's going to be some 
uh, accommodation of the coach's schedule as well. If he can only come on Wednesdays and Sundays or whatever, then there may be some changes that need to be made. But this starts way back at tryouts, okay? Um, then when you get into the practices and you're actually getting people um, assigned to their positions, then there's a couple different ways that we set up practices. We have in the past um, done it by offense, defense. Um, so we would have an offense practice, a defense practice, and a special teams practice. Um, and then another way to do it would be um, on certain days we, you do a conditioning, the next day you do offense and defense, and then the next day you do special teams. Um, what I want to note here is that coaching staff needs to be very, very flexible on practice schedules. Um, some teams have mandatory practices. You're required to go to practice. If you don't make those practices, then you sit the bench that week or whatever. So some teams have really strict rules on your participation in practices. Other teams are just hoping and praying that people come. So as a coaching staff, there needs to be some flexibility that you have a, a practice schedule set up for today, but 16 people showed up and it's not the right 16 people. So then you have to be flexible on what are we going to do at this practice if those people don't show up. Now, again, you know, you always have your mandatory um, situations where teams are requiring players to come. But still, players won't, players won't come if they can't come. You know, again, we have to realize that these women football players are also moms, sisters, daughters, and uh, workers, uh, people, you know, going for college education, etc. So they have a lot of demands on their time. So ideally, you want to be able to set up a practice schedule that meets the players' needs collectively. Um, but ultimately, that's, you know, that's not going to happen every day. And you're going to have to be flexible on what goes on at each practice so that um, you can get the information to the players before the games um, and everybody knows what they're going to do because this promotes the safety uh, of the players themselves and the players next to them. So practice schedule is really important to be able to get the players there. Now, the cool thing about this is 10 years ago, we didn't have the technology that we have today. So... Um, if you have the ability or you don't know how to do it, feel free to give us a call. We can help walk you through these things. But technology today is huge. I mean, it's really important and it's allowed us to be able to have extra practices or game film practice. What we, you know, we had an extra day of just watching game film and the coach can constructively go over what happened in these different plays to the players. And you can typically set it up to where offense comes to a game playing set or a film session and then defense comes to a film session and then people that are on your special teams comes to a film session depending on how you want to schedule it but I'll tell you what technology today allows you women football teams to do amazing things and be able to um, get some extra practices in that aren't necessarily on the field but are essential to being successful in women's football. So that's really all I'm going to say about practice schedule today. Um, I'm going to put some things online on the website that show um, attendance sheets and suggested practice schedules. Um, so you guys can look through those and, you know, 
print them off and use them in your own women's football teams and hopefully this stuff this information in these templates will help you so let's transition again real quick and we're going to talk about teams setting up a football 101 for their players okay so i'm going to kind of back up to the the basis of this a lot of teams especially once you're up and going and you've been doing it for 10 years or you're already into the season it's really really hard to get the football 101 knowledge the basic knowledge to the players so for example right now as we're going into we're in week four we just did week four so we're going into week five i guess of women's football it's really important to understand that if you still have players coming on because you're short on numbers, because we talked about having those extra tryouts, um, you still have time to have extra tryouts and get some more players on your on your roster. But you need to be able to check as a team and as other players how much that person knows about football and whether they're going to be an asset to the team in these coming games. It's really important to give these players a foundational education on football but understand that time is of the essence right now if you're trying to do this within the time frame or within this regular season to get more players on on the roster but essentially the team needs to begin teaching at the football 101 level this is the ball we get four downs to run 10 yards. This is what an offsides is versus what a false start is. Um, this is what a linebacker is. This is what the linebacker does. This is a corner. All those things should really be explained to these players because it's important to understand that, you know, as coaches, some of these coaches have 10, 15, 20, 30 years of experience, and they've been coaching these people that whether they're children or men or young young men, uh, typically it's you know junior high, high school coaches that are coming on to women's football um, at, on a voluntary basis or as supplemental income to because they love the sport. So a lot of times these coaches are at such a level they're talking schemes, they're talking different plays, they have a lingo that they use, and sometimes you can look at the women football players and they look like a deer in headlights. Because, you know, they just saw one of the players down at Walmart or Chick-fil-A and a player said, hey, you know, they saw a shirt on them and they said, well, you know, what is, what is Dallas Elite? And they're like, oh, it's women's football. Oh, really? Why don't you come out to practice tonight and come check it out? That person hasn't been memorizing women's football or football 101 for the last 10 years. So, um. And typically, a lot of the women football players that you have coming out to the teams, um, you know, some of them just got off the couch. Some of them just had children. Some of them, you know, have been PE teachers or are physically fit. So there's going to be um, a range of different physicalities or a range of different people with different physical abilities. And as a coach and as a player, we need to assess where that person is. If they don't know what a linebacker is, it's our duty as a women's football team to teach them that because it's important to them, for them to know it and it's important for the safety of all the players, including that person, 
Um, if they don't know what you're talking about when you're telling them that a linebacker is going to be coming at them, they don't know what that means or where that person's coming from. So it's really important to teach that football 101. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to set up on women's football success a webinar on football 101 for the players to help them grasp the fundamentals of football. Um, and I think that's going to be really cool to um, allow them to understand the basics of it. I'm really excited about that webinar and um, we're hoping that a lot of people will enjoy it. A lot of people will use it because it's something, you know, a lot of times a coach gets frustrated or gets, you know, they're trying to, to you know, coach at a practice and they have some players that just have not gotten up to the level of understanding. So the webinar is going to allow players to rewatch and rewatch and rewatch as many times as they need to, to grasp these concepts. It's not going to teach them everything or, and it's not going to teach anything about schemes or what your team is doing um, on the field, but it's going to get them that basic knowledge of football. Um, some of these people just love, just want to play women's football because their brother did or their dad did. And they really, you know, they really connected with that. So um, not all the women that are coming out to play women's football have been doing it for 10 years. So we need to understand that football 101 is essential. And like I said, we're going to have this webinar coming out for players to just rewatch and understand the fundamentals. So we're really excited about that. And then finally, what I'm going to talk about is regards to support staff. And this, um, we're going to talk about the topic event planning. So at this point in this um, year season, or the 2018 season, you're pretty much immersed in the women's football season, whether you've prepared for it or not. Um, and you may or may not already have come to the realization that women's football is almost like six businesses in one. You have games, you have fundraising events, you have merchandise, you have community involvement initiatives, um, you have volunteer coordination, you have uh, player equipment and, and practice scheduling. I mean, it's, there's a lot of things to go around. You have to, you know, coordinate with different parks in the community, whether you're going to be able to have practices, etc. What if it rains, then you have to come indoors. So women's football is a ton of businesses in one and event planning is just a component of what the support staff usually takes care of. Now, support staff, when I talk about that, that, that can be ownership, it can be management, it can be directors, it can be assistants, it can be volunteers. Depending on the way your women's football team is set up, uh, that will determine who I'm talking to, who those support staff members are. And event planning is huge. It is very, very important in women's football because whether it's a fundraising event that's happening, um, you need that fundraising event to come off um, as a professional quality event that people want to continue to come to year after year. If you hold a, an event and things go bad and things aren't coordinated, um, nobody knows where the microphones are, you know, different things. Um, you know, nobody knows where the tickets are, where's the cash drawer, um, what time does the event start, then it can kind of be a big debacle and, um, 
an embarrassment and it will actually hurt your women's football organization more than it helps. Um, and I would take some time to look at some of these women's football teams that have been around a long time that are very, very successful and see what they're doing or, or reach out to them and ask them how they're doing different things. Because a lot of them are very open to giving advice. Um, some teams, you know, they've given advice for a long, long time and, it, and it's hurt them. And so some of them are, you know, step back from giving advice, but um, many of them will, uh, if you reach out to them, they will um, embrace you with open arms and give you any information. Because ultimately, like I said before, if your organization is successful and my organization is successful, then to the outward community, um, it makes a difference. If I go to your stadium and you have 2,000 people in the stands and you come to my stadium and I have 50 people in the stands, it's very, very difficult to get a high level of demand for our product, which is women's football. So uh, let's get back to the event planning part of it because um, last week I talked about um, like event planning as it pertained to home games. And this time I want to talk about event planning as it pertains to fundraising events um, and community involvement. So event planning, and, and you could even hire an event planner or make an event planner somebody that's on your support staff. And you could cross promote that person on your website that, that they are the event planner and therefore they get advertising on your website and kind of trade those services and it wouldn't cost you anything to have this skilled person on your staff. So event planning as it comes to fundraising events, you wanna coordinate with a venue of some sort that will make, will make your team look good or will bring you up to a different level. Um, you don't want to coordinate with a venue just because a friend of yours owns it if it's not gonna give the image that you want it to portray for your organization. Now, you don't have to do a, a venue that is already run. You can rent um, a, an empty venue and do everything yourself, which a lot of teams do as well. Um, when it comes to event planning, it's almost like wedding planning, but on a smaller scale, and you're gonna do two or three of them within the season. So, Ideally, what you want to do is get the process down that you use. Um, well, let's say this. Let me back up. We want to get the process down that will be successful. Hopefully, it's the one you're using. If, you're, if your event planning processes are not successful, you need to get them changed, and you need to get them changed really, really quick. Because one event that goes wrong or goes bad can be kind of brushed off. But two it's a problem and the community that's coming to to be part of it is going to be less likely to continue supporting you if you have bad events. So when we talk about event planning, um, we talk about getting a venue that you can use and you want to make sure that you can do the things that you want to do. Some venues will not allow alcohol sales. Some will not allow alcohol at all. Some of them will not allow food. Depending on what state you're in, you need to make sure what you're allowed to do and what you're planning on doing. So if you're planning on having this be a 
family-friendly event, then those things don't pertain to you as far as the alcohol is concerned. But what about food? You know, this is going to determine, just like a wedding, it's going to determine what time of day you're going to have your event at. If you're not allowed to have food there or you have to have a caterer come in, then you're going to want to pick specific times for your event so that you um, can raise as much funding as possible, but with less expense out the door. So if you have to hire a caterer and they're going to charge you $12 a person for the food, but only some of them are going to eat, then that's money out the door um, that you don't want to worry about. You might not want to do catering at all. Um, other ideas are connecting with somebody on the staff that's maybe a personal chef or a caterer of some sort that works for themselves and get them, you know, they already have the food handler's license or something to to be able to not have to pay a caterer. They're a caterer and they might give you cheaper rates. Other things within fundraising uh, and event planning, you know, what are there going to be prizes that you give away? What kind of prizes? Um, feel free to take notes on this stuff so that you guys can kind of go through the different things that you might be looking at. You're going to want to look at the food, the venue, the drinks. What are you going to do at the party? What kind of audience is going to be at the party? How many people are you going to invite? Is it going to be an invitation only party or is it going to be anybody can come to this venue? If you're doing it at some sort of bar or bar and grill, it's hard to, you know, charge a door for everybody if those people were just coming in to eat, if they're not with your organization. Now, we've done a couple different things. One of the places that we connect with, Sue Ellen's, they have an upstairs area. So people that hang out in the downstairs area are good to go. But once they come upstairs and want to be part of our party, then we can charge at the upstairs doors. So you also want to look at the layout of the venue and if it's going to work for what you want to happen. A couple other things that I'm going to go over um, here at the end of the show, it's been about 30 minutes that we've talked about these things. I want to kind of go over a couple things that we have in the works. Um, we are going to be putting out the Women's Football Success page, and it's connected to my supersmallbiz.com. If we start getting a lot of interest in it, then I will set it off onto its own website. But for my supersmallbiz.com, I actually have several types of businesses that I work with. And so I just wanted to attach the women's football because it's something that I do every day um, throughout the year. And we also created the Women's Football Success Group on Facebook. It's going to be a locked private group here in the coming days. And anybody that's a part of it is going to be able to post on the site. We're going to have discussions daily. And we have some rules that go on that. So once you go into the group, it's www.facebook.com backslash groups backslash women's football success. Go on in there, become a member, join and then read over the rules. We're going to have different things for different days. So it's just not constantly, you know, the same thing. 
So Monday, we're going to talk about Marketing Monday. You'll be able to share your marketing efforts, upcoming events, and community involvement with everyone in women's football. So that'll be pretty cool. On Tuesday, we're going to talk about business tips. So we call that Business Tip Tuesday. These are going to be tips, tricks, strategies for businesses um, within women's football. A lot of There's a lot of women's football teams, but they're all doing things differently. So ideally, we want to be able to get these teams working similarly off the field so that we're all kind of doing things the same way. On Wednesday, we have Wonderful Wednesday. We offer a word of encouragement or uh, you can share an inspirational story, um, any of the articles that are coming out about your team or, or your organization or a player on your team that's within the community or in the newspaper that week. On Thursdays, we're going to do weekly predictions from women's football. So we'll, you'll go on there and anybody, it doesn't matter, you don't have to be a predictor. Um, but you can be a player or a coach or whatever and give your predictions for the week. It's just a kind of a fun game. You know, people like to, you know, voice what they thought was going to happen and then go back after Saturday and look and see who was right. It's kind of it's kind of a fun game. Um, and then on Friday, we're going to do promotional Friday. So we're going to share picks, stories um, about your team, players, staff, whatever, Um and promote your team. What are you doing out there to promote your team? That's what we want people to share. On Saturday, it's Social Media Saturday. Um, share your team's Facebook and any of their Facebook posts um, so that we can get all these people linked together and seeing and hearing what everybody's doing in women's football. And then finally on Sunday, because everybody's playing the games on Saturday, or typically on Saturday, we're going to have Sunday celebration. So the games are over. Um, so we're going to share picks from the game um, here and um, just keep it going on different topics throughout the week. And I think that that would be a great discussion forum. Um, now, again, I talked a little bit about rules. Um, we're not going to have people linking their products and services for people for women's football to purchase on the page. Um, feel free to put them in links under the comments. And then that gives people the opportunity if they want to click a link to something, that's fine, but we're not going to make it part of the post. Also, please make sure that your comments um, on the Facebook page are proper um, and relate to the primary post that you're commenting on. Um, we don't allow negative or offensive stuff or off-topic posts, so um, if you do that, then those topics will be, or those posts and comments will be removed or deleted. So uh, we're really excited about women's football success. And I'm going to really quick go over here and click on the women's football success page so I can kind of guide you guys there. I'm so excited about it. Like I said, we've been working on it for about two years. And um, as far as the idea is concerned, we didn't plan on bringing it out until um, next year. So you go to www. Um, supersmallbiz.com, B-I-Z. This is where I do my uh, consulting stuff. And so you would click on Women's Football Success down in the menu. And that takes you to the different pages. There's a player page, a coach's page, support staff page, and an owner's page. 
Um, and it just, not that you can't go to the different pages, but each page kind of is geared towards a different segment of people and what is interesting to you right now. You're welcome to go look, you know, if you're a player, you can look at the coach's page or the, you know, the sports staff page. Um, but ultimately, the stuff that's going to be on the page pertains to things that maybe you're interested in or, or are important to you. I really appreciate everybody coming and listening. Um, like I said, we this is episode three for 2018, and uh, we're going to keep going and, and talk about different topics. I hope you guys come back next week and listen to us. You guys have a great day. And uh, keep spreading the word about women's football. Bye-bye.